we're looking at four this summer, four spiritual disciplines that I have um, presented to you that are essential in every season of life. From the moment of, of salvation until Christ calls you home, these four you cannot do without. Now, there are many, many others, but I've given you four. And the first two were abiding in Christ or Bible intake. What a great job um, Clay did the other night of just sort of piling on top and reinforcing what we looked at. And we've looked at that first spiritual discipline of, of abiding in Christ or taking in the scripture and, and, and all of the facets and what that requires. And then the second discipline, we said, is prayer, both prayer and Bible intake for the purpose of godliness. We can't live without prayer. As fear a believer, you can't live without the word. You cannot live without prayer. It's absolutely essential in every season of life. And so we looked at that discipline. This third discipline, I didn't count in the list because I see this simply as a tool for you to um, make more effective both those first two disciplines. Okay, the having a quote-unquote spiritual journal is not an imperative. I can't open to you and give you a scripture and it says, thus say the Lord, you need a journal. And more than that, you need a journal exactly the way Pastor Brody tells you. There is no such scripture and there's nothing prescriptive here. I'm trying to be helpful and practical. And, and so take what what will be helpful to you and grab onto it and run with it and you, you look and say, I, I don't think that would work for me, that's, that's great too. This is a one class and it's a tool and, and, and I hope it will be a help for you. But certainly there's a basis for what I'm going to say to you in Scripture and I'd like you to open to Psalm 145. And it's interesting. Um, I've shown you these before. My journals are different through the years. But... Um, I didn't know I was going to do this. This wasn't what my planned opening was today. But I got up this morning. Okay, let's, let me take you back. Bible intake. What did Pastor Brody tell you he did for accountability? He tells you he gets up first thing in the morning, he gets his cup of coffee, and the first thing he does is he spends a little time in praising and adoring and thanking Jesus for so great a salvation. And then he gets up off of his knees and he opens the Bible and he studies his Bible, and he, he writes scripture and what God's shown him in his journal. Okay? Well, that's what I did this morning. I got up at 420. The alarm wasn't set for that. It was just at 420. I was raring to go and couldn't wait to spend my time with the Lord so that I could get in here and spend time with you. If you don't, I mean, Sunday is like, it is the great, I wish there were seven Sundays a week. I love Sunday. I love being with you. I love gathering with God's people here at Timberlake. And so this is what I did. There's my journal this morning. And when I got all through, then I, I took and did some other things, and I got our handout for today. When I got our handout for today, I thought, well, what do you know? I think that would be a good intro for today. So we're going to just look at the first four verses of, of Psalm 145 and sort of as a, of an example of journaling because that's what we're going to be looking at is journaling. I'm going to read my journal to you. And I'm not going to teach Psalm 145. That'll come some other time, Lord willing. But Psalm 145, you might put at the top, perpetual praise. Uh, it talks about David praising. And it's, a, it's the last 
acrostic psalm in the scripture. And beyond that, it's the last psalm of David. As you know, David wrote 75 of the 150 psalms. And, and this is a psalm of praise uh, for sure. And if you look at those first opening verses, you're going to notice a progression. I'm going to read the first four verses, and I'm going to read them right from my journal. And I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and highly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. Verse 4, one generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Just as an overview of this psalm, um, you might see in those first verses, there's the sense that, that David says, I'll praise you. And, and then he goes on and he, and he says, I'll praise you every day. And then he goes on and says, I'll, I'll praise you forever and ever. And, and that should be the heart of a believer. That's what, that's what we do. And, and that was David's heart here. And if you wanted to divide this psalm up, you could say that the Lord is great, uh, verses 1 and 2 being the um, intro, and then the Lord is great, verses 3 and 7, uh, as he praises God's greatness. And then the Lord is gracious, verses 8 through 12. And it talks about how he praises God for his goodness. And then the Lord is faithful, verses 13 through 16. And, and it talks about all the ways that God is faithful to his people. And then the Lord is righteous, verses 17 through 20. And the, um, the praise for God's grace. He is righteous. He's holy. We're not. And, and that grace that he's given us in, in forgiving us our, our sins and, and loving us. And then it's that closing verse in 21 where um, it's, a, it's a closing invitation uh, to praise God. And look at that last verse, if you would. It says, My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord, and all flesh shall bless his holy name forever. I wouldn't have been smart enough to think of this myself, but studying the commentaries a bit on this, you recognize that that verse right there are the last written words that we have that David ever spoke. That's amazing. And, and there it is. There's his life and his legacy. I mean, what would be the last thing he wanted to say? And the last thing he said was that my mouth will speak the praise of the Lord. Look at the second half of that verse. As you read that, there should be another verse that screams at you coming from Philippians chapter 2. Look what it says. And all flesh will bless his holy name forever and ever. Every knee will what? Bow. And every tongue will do what? Confess God. Will confess to the glory of God. Some to their damnation, some to e eternal life and their, and their glorification. Oh, David didn't have revealed to him all that, that we have, but you see the 
the, the beauty of that all rolled up in this perpetual praise. I want to call your attention, though, to verse 4, because that's really what we have at hand here. We're looking at a spiritual journal. Why write a journal? And Boyce, um, in his volume 3, page 1252, uh, wrote this about verse 4. Let me read verse 4 again. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. In verse 4, David speaks of one generation commending your works to another. This statement does not merely mean that the stories of God's past acts will be passed on by the redeemed community, though that is true but that each generation of believers will add to that old story the account of what God has done for them. God continues to act for us and in us. Our recognition of this truth and our confession of it are a point of praise to offer to God. That's why I had included that verse at the top of this page because we are indeed um, responsible uh, to remember the works of his hands, to, to pass on what he has done for us. It's wonderful. The, the scripture is fully inspired. It's wonderful what he did for Abraham and Isaac and Sarah and Noah or Moses or David or Daniel or Paul. Or Peter, Elijah. It's wonderful. But my question is, what did he do for you? If you're born again by the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God lives in you, and he has done mighty acts for you too. And, and we have a responsibility to declare the scriptures to our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren, for that matter, or anybody who will listen. But we certainly, to them, we have a responsibility to declare the scriptures but we should be given a confirming clarification to them that not only did he do it for them, he's doing it for me. Not only did he save them, he saved me. Not only did he answer their prayer, he answers my prayer. Not only did he deliver them, he delivered me. Not only did he provide for them, he provided for me. Not only did he give wisdom to them, he gave wisdom to me. Amen? And yet the reason we journal is because we're very forgetful people. Hello. I mean, we, we forget the blessings of, of last month, let alone five years ago, or 10 years ago, or 20 years ago. And that's where journals are so, so very, very helpful. And so I've tried to write in detail here motivations for you and processes for you that, that may be helpful. So let's look at the handout. I, I state here just for emphasis, I guess, that I actually began this on August 29th in 1982, and I still have that journal. And um, from that day to this, I have written down what God is teaching me from his word and how it relates to my life experience. Oftentimes, I've written out key passages, like I just did for you now, and recorded blessings and victories and recorded afflictions and defeats. I've analyzed many of those experiences in my journals and hope to learn for the future. 
So uh, a journal will help you. It's a help and an effective way to measure spiritual progress and to hold yourself accountable. I make note here that men and women through the centuries have kept journals. I make note here as I was reading this today that I only had men listened, listed, but there's, there's scores of, of women, uh, of course, that have written journals as well, and we, we read them all the time. And Elizabeth Elliot immediately comes to mind along with her husband, Jim. So, so the word journal uh, comes from an Anglo-Saxon word that, that means to, to write or to underscore or to scratch something in like you, you carve something in wood. You, you've taken a hike someplace, you've gone to the woods, or you went someplace to take a picnic where there's a picket bench, and you look there and you see carved in wood LB plus JBTLF. You know what I mean? You've seen that, right? Right? I think I just did Larry Brody plus Judy Brody, True Love Forever, but I get my letters mixed up, so who knows? That's what I meant. And, and it's, it, it, it's, it's like in there, uh, and it's carved in. It's carved in. And uh, that's the idea of that, that word, the, the, something that will be remembered. Other people will see it, and they'll be, they'll be reminded. There's a an indelible and even artful quality about letters cut into a piece of bark. But you'll note I say there, the same indelible and artful quality can be experienced when we cut with a pen the words of our heart into a blank sheet of paper. That's what a journal is. Recording your heart. It's, it's an empty page ready to receive content from your heart without judgment. Because of this, you can speak freely and truthfully as the legacy is gradually formed. We can read again the grace of God in our lives and the growth it produces. Then in the next paragraph, a journal's like a diary, but it's much more than that. It's a, it's a summary or a daily account of a walk with God. Uh, there isn't a right way or a wrong way to do it. Some people write, write volumes. Uh, some people just write bullet points or just a, a brief overview. That's, that's not the point. It, the point is, is that I, I'm building a legacy, something I can go back with, something that I can measure, something that I can use to encourage myself, something that will be an encouragement uh, to others in the days ahead. Um, I wrote down there what it could include prayer lists, um, answers to prayer, interaction with scripture, significant life events, spiritual lessons. I like to call significant events um, Red Sea experience. I, I came up with that about 20 years before that book that is out that Morgan wrote, by the way, Red Sea experience, just, just for the record. Um, because we all have Red Sea experiences. Listen, God just didn't move the sea apart so that Moses and the children of Israel could walk through it. You'll come to that place where your back is against the wall and the enemy is coming in like a flood. And if God doesn't move, you're done. And God will move. He, he, he'll part, as it were, the Red Sea for you. You need to record those things. 
so you don't forget them, so you don't lose them, so you can sit down at Thanksgiving and at Christmas and at birthdays and at different times around the campfire and at the beach and, and recount the stories of how God worked and moved for you. I just, just telling this, I'm thinking about how God worked for you to get your mother out of the hospital. I see those tears. That's what you were thinking, right? You don't never want to forget that. She knows for her, God moved. When they said it couldn't be done, she can't come out. Watch this, God says, boom. We all have those, those stories. And, and it's enormously important that we, we record them because there's other generations coming. And, you, you know, I'd like to sit here and think all of you are going to remember Pastor Brody and my name's going to be heard around here for like the next thousand years. I mean, I, there's enough pride and ego in me that would like that. But there's enough sense to know that 20 years after I'm dead, almost no one will even know who I was. And the same with you, except for what's written in the hearts of people and what's written down that they can read right and so write what's important write what you want to take to the next generation to the second and to the third generation you remember the story of Israel the end of Deuteronomy beginning of Joshua I'm going to go over wait stop here put these stones up let's have memorials Got to have memorials because we need to be. When the day comes that the children ask, "What are these? What are the meaning of these memorials?" Then we'll be able to tell them the stories of old. You need memorials. You need to have those reminders to tell people of the stories of old when God heaped up the water so that they could walk over into the promised land. They didn't listen. God reminded him over and over again, remember. Remember the works of my hands. Remember the works of my hands. Remember the works of my hands. And by the book of Judges, it says there that there were a people that knew not God, and that was right after a people that knew of God, and that was right after a people who forgot the works of his hands. It only takes three generations. It's gone. You see that in America? You can go door knocking if you wanted to right now, and you'd probably get your head blown off, but if somebody did let you in the door, you could say something like, you know, remember the story of Daniel? And they would look at you like a path at a new gate. Daniel who? David what? We don't even have a biblically illiterate society anymore. Let that not be so with the people of God. Write down your stories and tell your stories over and over and over again until they're etched in the hearts of your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. Why keep a journal? To help you remember the works of his hands. I guess I've already covered that, page two. Just acknowledge the fact we're very um, forgetful 
A journal will help you develop the long-term view. I really suggest each year you send a time block. Typically, um, the ministry is hard for me to describe for you from Thanksgiving until Christmas. Uh, it's not that I don't love it. I do love it. But it is an absolute dead run. And then um, we have our Christmas service and the cantata is over and the Christmas Eve service is over. And you know, finally you, you have the Christmas with your family. And then if you're a pastor, then what do you do? You go, you know, why, why, why do you do that too? Because of the Christmas shopping and everything else. And one of the things I like to do in those last few days of the year is take out my journals for that year and read my journals, review the year. I like to, I like to review the year and, and remember what God has done and prepare my heart as I think about the new year. I usually have two times a year when I go away for some more than just a, a brief few days. I've got one coming up. I will take a couple of journals with me. I'll just review them. Not necessarily from this year, but I'll just randomly pick one from 1972 or from 1984 or from whenever it is. And just, just grab one and take that with me and just over a cup of coffee, just gradually read through it and remember the works of God. It, it just does my heart so good and it'll do you good might even produce a book. I told you about the book I wrote. That really is a, that's, that's an outflow of my journals. You pray for me. I, book number two keeps sending me reminders, and I'm only about 30 weeks behind on that one. But um, it'll come, Lord willing. It'll pro provide for you light and dark days. This is really important. There's going to be days when things go hard. You know, you... you you're really pressed, you're stressed, and it'll be encouraging to you to read your own writing, read the points of grace, and see that all God has done in the past. And it'll just be helpful. It'll remind you. Yes, he heard your prayer all the way back there 10 years ago, and remember what he did. And God surprises you. He, he doesn't do things. This, he's a very creative God. Just look at creation. I, you know, you, you can't figure out how he's going to meet that need, how he's going to move that mountain. Because he always does it a different way, but he does. And it's just so neat to write those down and to record them. Point number three there says it'll help you evaluate your day honestly before the Lord and not be trite about life. Don't waste your life. And so I, I think it helps you not to look at life through rose-colored glasses. Uh, when you journal, I, I think you should, on a real regular basis, be asking yourself these questions. Did I, did I walk in grace? Did I walk by faith? Or did I believe a lie? Did I walk in unbelief? Tell yourself the truth. Then record it. Do better the next day. Repent. Confess. It'll help you. It'll help build that, that process in your life. Listen, it's so easy to go through life with respectable sins. And the second you commit it, you know you did it. But you just move on. You just move on. And you, you didn't make that right. You didn't go back and say, what, 
would you please forgive me? That, that wasn't completely truthful. And if it's not completely truthful, as hard as that is for me to say, that's actually a lie. I lied. Would you forgive me? Let me tell you exactly the truth. Those words that I just spoke to you were unkind. I should not have said that. That was very selfish of me. It was very inconsiderate of me. Would you forgive me? It's just so easy to keep on rolling, but if you take on a regular basis and just give yourself some space and some time and then make those things right and, and strive to live with a conscience clear of offense between God and man. It, it, it's such a beautiful, sweet peace. I'm telling you, a journal will help you do that if you'll sit down with a piece of paper in front of you and a pen and just be quiet before the Lord and think about the last 24 hours, the last 8 hours, the last 12 hours. How did it go? How did I do as a mom? How did I do as a neighbor? How did I do as an employee? How did I do as a spouse? And yeah, we miss hit. We miss fire. For all has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we got saved. And as soon as we got saved, it was all fixed, right? Yes and no. It was all fixed from the standpoint I was given the righteousness of Christ and I stand redeemed, forgiven, praise the Lord, but I still sin and so do you. And as I confess those sins and as I make those things right and as I acknowledge that, God's grace builds me up into the fullness and stature of the Lord Jesus Christ. A journal will help you uh, with that. I put the illustration there of what I'm talking about from Jim Elliott's journal. This happened just, he wrote this just two months before he was uh, killed. And I think it's very helpful. You'll see what I'm getting at. Look there, it's on page three. In studying Spanish, I left off English Bible reading and my devotion reading pattern was broken. I never restored it. You see, he's doing self-evaluation. Translation and preparation for daily Bible lessons is not sufficient to empower my soul. Prayer, as a single man, was difficult. I remember because my mind always reverted to Betty. Now it's too hard to get out of bed in the morning. I've made a resolution on this score before now, but not followed up. Tomorrow it will be dressed by 6 a.m. and study in the epistles before breakfast. So help me God. That's what I'm talking about. We took time, we thought. He recognized there were some things he needed to change. The journal helped him, and he recorded it. And how many thousands of people has it helped down through the ages, including his children and his grandchildren, who have read his journals and thought, you know what? I need to do that same thing. Number four, it helps you to reflect on the meaning of your experiences. Listen, I can't tell you how many times in my life I could have said with confidence, this is the way, walk ye in it. I was sure this is exactly what God wanted me to do. And after I got well into it, I knew he'd allowed it, <clears throat> but I also started to recognize that um, that wasn't his way at all. And actually, 10 years down the road, as I look back, I thought, well, I'm bald, right? I, I can't believe I could have been that stupid. But the journal helps you to, to capture all that, helps you to see it, it crystallizes it, and goes, you know, 
I really misunderstood God's word. I really misunderstood his way. I was way too subjective here rather than objective with truth. I didn't get, I didn't get wise counsel. I was too quick to want my... I mean, you begin to learn those things, and they help you with the... Uh, listen, life doesn't get easier with its decisions. As, as you get older, they become more and more complicated, actually. And, and so you grow in your ability to make decisions when you've, you've recorded, and you begin to look through the rearview mirror and evaluate. Sometimes things aren't the way they seem, and you only learn that as you look through the rearview mirror. Number five, it helps clarify your thinking almost like nothing else will do. And let me tell you, it will help you in your communicating. It's, it's very, very helpful to communicate. If you'll, you learn to write out your thoughts, and you learn to do that, it'll, it'll help you in communicating with other people. It'll help you in communicating truth with others. And um, I, I put um, a, a note down there. Visualization helps realization. Just, there's just something about writing it out. And you write it out and you read it and you go, no, that's not right. And you write it out. No, that's not. There, that's it. And as you see that and you visualize that, that's why I write scripture. So as I write scripture, it helps embed it into my mind and then into my soul. The last page there, uh, it'll help you keep a record of your spiritual progress. Number seven, it'll help shepherd those that are under your responsibility, and especially in the context of family. When my kids were young. I had my journals where my, they were easily accessible. And, and my wife and children were um, allowed to read them as they would want. And... One of the joys I have now, often, is uh, I'll go back and I'll pull out an old journal. There'll be a note in my journal from my daughter. And I, I don't know why. Maybe she can explain. You'll have to ask her. But she would often call, call me Papawa. And there'll be a, a note in, to Papawa, uh, her telling me that she loved me or appreciating something or like that. And, and Judy would write in my journals. And Judy's journals would be out. And the kids could read her journal. Yes, the good and the ugly. Now, we are careful what we write. You don't have to be specific about sin. There's a caution in here. I mean, you write it in a journal, it might be in the front page of the paper tomorrow. So uh, you can go ahead and call yourself out like Bill Elliott did, but you don't have to get down into the weeds. You understand what I'm talking about, right? So you just, you, you're wise with that. And so oftentimes I would write um, Judy a note. And in fact, often on vacation, um, even though we're old folks, we still do that because we have more time. So we'll get on vacation, and she looks forward to a, a note in her journal from me. And quite honestly, I look forward to a, a letter from her in my journal. And then five years later, when I'm revert, reviewing that journal, there, there it is. It's, it, it's right there. And in, and in fact, all the journals that I have, whether they're big or whether they're small, I always buy a journal, a little tip that has some kind of a mechanism where there's a little pocket. You understand what I'm getting at? There's a pocket because here's what I, another thing I love to do. You, you know, I hate to save a card that you get from somebody that, that loves you and writes something really neat. 
Do you feel the same way? I mean, what, what do I, I hate to get rid of that car. What do I do with that car, you know? Well, you know, I'm 73 years old. You know how many cars I've gotten in my life? I, I mean, you know, I could, I could fill up this room. And yet somehow you always feel guilty throwing it away. I, I, I'm sure you gave me a car and I'm throw it away. How, how can I throw it away? Okay. Well, I started to learn I don't have to throw them away. I can stick them in the pockets of my journals. And so now the birthday cards I got or the, you know, the Christmas cards or whatever that I, that I got that were special that I wanted to keep, then they're in the journal for that year. They're there. They're right there in the journal. I pull that journal. I pull it out. There it is. The card, the anniversary card, whatever it is. So that's just another uh, blessing because it sort of organizes your, your stuff. Um, you'll find that as you write in your journals and interface with the Word of God, you can then take and you can use that to disciple others. Where to go make disciples. All of you older women should go find a younger woman. You ought to sit down with them and you ought to, you ought to invest in them and spend some time with them. And you older men with younger men. And it would be okay if we did that one with another. One of the greatest things to do is to have a cup of coffee and be able to sit down and coffee and just, just agree. We're going to get together every other week and have coffee or lunch or whatever. And I'll tell you what, let's do this. You bring something that God's taught you over the last week, and I'll bring something that God's taught me. What a tremendous accountability that is. You bring a journal, you just open up, and just like I read to you this morning, you read, you read that. Well, here's what God taught me from Psalm 145. And uh, it'll help you grow in your ability to communicate truth, and the accountability will be a blessing. It, it lets you leave a written legacy of your walk with Christ that will benefit others. And then I say, why should you write a journal? I think I've already covered that. I gave you different um, patterns of review that I suggest, and then just some success. Let's suppose that you're 55 right now, and you thought, oh, it's too late to start. It's not too late. You don't know how long God's going to let you live. Start right now. It doesn't have to be written. It could be electronic. Some people prefer that. It doesn't really matter what. Some people use calendars. You know, just get a calendar with the big blocks on it and just, just write a little bit in, in each day in the calendar. I mean, there's a million ways to do it. Be creative. And it doesn't have to be expensive, but it will bless you as you record what God's doing in your life as a result of his word being totally sufficient and working in you and, and opening up his truth to you and speaking through you. And as you're praying that truth, and as he's answering prayer, and as he's growing you in his likeness, and as you're recording those things, it will be um, a great benefit to you. So, that being said, next week, um, if you have questions about this, you can make an appointment to see me, come personally, that would be fine. But we're going to look at the last two disciplines over next month and the rest of August, and they are the discipline of church and body life absolutely essential in all seasons of your life. What do I mean by the discipline of church and body life? You'll have to come back and see. And then we're going to look at the discipline of being in the world, but not of the world. That's becoming even more important as the culture downgrades in a spiral. How do we be in the world? We're called to be in the world. We're not supposed to be in little communes and, and separate and isolate ourselves from the world. Did Jesus separate and isolate laid himself from the world? No, he ate with sinners. That's what they accused him of. So how, how exactly do we be in the world, but not of the world? So we're going to
talk. Those are the last two spiritual disciplines that I feel like are essential. And believe it or not, the summer will be over, and my plan is that we'll uh, return to the book of Psalms. God bless you. You are dismissed.